Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Before all of that, though, um, look, you've been hearing about the assault, the particularly vicious assault in Dublin on Wednesday night, an American tourist outside his hotel on Talbot Street in Dublin, and then separately a man in his 30s assaulted in Galway City yesterday. And we're asking today, do you feel safe on our streets? What's your experience? What have you encountered? I want to hear your own stories today. And what needs to be done to deal with this level of anti-social behaviour. Stephen is with us on the line. Stephen, you, you're a cafe owner um, in Temple Bar. What have you experienced? Hi, Andrea. How are you? Yeah, I've got a, I've actually got two coffee shops in the city centre. One is on Aston Quay, which is on the corner of Temple Bar. And then I have another one on Aaron Quay, which is just beside the Four Courts. Um, the location on the corner of Temple Bar is the most challenging one for us, without a doubt. Um, what we experience uh, pretty continuously uh, all day, every day, seven days a week is very open drug dealing. So very open drug dealing, uh, drug use and all of the antisocial behaviour that goes along with that. So we see people handing out drugs, counting out money, smoking crack pipes. Um, it's a very sophisticated network and there's a number of individuals involved. They hang around in bus stops. Um, they pretty much stay there uninterrupted throughout the day. Um, they're on bikes, they're on scooters, they're wearing hooded jackets, they have masks pulled over their faces. Um, and, you know, to, to witness that is, is just very, very intimidating. It's very shocking. It's very concerning. And then very often that behaviour escalates and it gets more serious. It can break out into uh, fights, rows, chases, um, my shop on two occasions where we're only in this location uh, eight months yeah. and in two occasions in the last eight months my shop has been cordoned off as a crime scene once when the shop was robbed at knife point uh, on a very busy Thursday morning so this isn't just a nighttime problem this is something that happens during the day also Were you in and the shop was- Stephen when that happened? No, I wasn't personally, but my staff were there. Um, so the shop was robbed at knife point, as I said. It's terrifying experience. Staff, yeah, absolutely. Two members of staff were locked in the toilets and then the individual uh, took the takings from the till. Now, I have to compliment the guards. You know, that individual was arrested within 10 minutes. So there was a very swift, very fast, very good response to that. But... You know, I don't think I'll ever recover from the shock uh, of a shop being robbed in broad daylight, less than 100 metres from O'Connell Bridge on one of the busiest streets uh, in the centre of our city. Um, And, and, you know, that that just happened. And, you know, this isn't just my experience. I have a very good relationship with a lot of business owners uh, on Aston Quay and in Temple Bar. And they're overwhelmed. They're frustrated. um, They're they're scared. They're frightened just about the, the scale and the seriousness of the issues that they're that they're dealing with all day, every day. What's the answer, Stephen? What's the solution like? Um, like my own feeling, you know, uh, from from kind of working on this for, for a number of months and from having had meetings with my local politicians, with senior guard and management, with Dublin City Council, is that the current approach absolutely is not working. It, it, it's too reactive. Uh, we all understand that uh, the guards are under-resourced and there is a recruitment issue at the moment. Um, but my own feeling is that this requires a strategic 
cross city response. We need a specific initiative or set of measures with the single and sole objective of reducing open drug dealing and drug related crime on the on the streets of the city. Like it can no longer be tolerated that it's okay in broad daylight to deal drugs. And that's what's happening all of the time. Like people are are dealing drugs drugs um, in full visibility of people walking by, people cycling by, people driving by. And there's no even attempt to hide it because there's absolutely no fear of being caught. And, you know, I have great sympathy for the guards and we have a really good relationship with all of our local uh, guard stations and they are doing everything that they can at a local level. But no single guard station can solve the issue of mm. drug-related crime in the city centre. It needs to be a coordinated response. It needs to be a strategic response. It needs a specific set of measures. It needs to be separately resourced. And, you know, I think that this absolutely needs to go up the list of priorities for government and opposition parties. You know, I don't see any political party showing real leadership on this. No, normally the kind of stuff you, like, you know, on days like today, you hear about, we need a task force, we need a committee about a committee and a, you Mm. know, Mm. across this something or another approach and the word zero tolerance will be thrown around a couple of times today. Mm. And effectively, usually nothing tends to happen. Like, ultimately... Mm. We've, as you said, we've a reactive police force as opposed to a proactive mm. one, which usually tends to mean you need constant policing. But that costs money, and that's into overtime. Mm. And people just tend to like that's that's you know whatever the budget is, the budget is. But but that's ultimately we're talking about boots on the ground, people on the street. And aside yeah, from like the I open drug dealing, you're going to have, you know, separate to that, and I can see listeners getting in touch, like even people that aren't involved in that at all. You then separately just have like gangs. Of young, like not yeah. even necessarily young people, they're, they're, they're talking here about they say yeah, youths or teenagers, just separately gangs of people walking yeah. around the town. Yeah, yeah. No, we do have gangs, and it is gangs, and it, like it's very intimidating gangs. Like I had an experience there uh, about maybe six or eight weeks ago. The weather was a little bit warmer. We opened the doors to the like we're trading in a new location. We're trying to get the business off the ground. We're trying to keep people in their jobs. We opened the doors to try and attract people in. And a guy with a hooded jacket and a mask pulled up over his face, cycled into the shop on a mountain bike right up to the till. Like, that's 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 wild. Like, that is just crazy behaviour. And it's very hard for a staff member to know how to handle a situation like that. Um and, you know, certainly from the conversations that I've had with business owners, with residents, with commuters, with tourists, and a lot of our business uh, on Aston Key is tourists. Mm. It's people who have huge choice in terms of the capital cities that they want to go to. And they're getting off the bus. Uh, a number of airport buses stop outside the shop. They're getting off the bus. They're coming into the shop and they're regretting that decision. They can't believe what they've seen in the first yeah. two and three And sure then listening to, to this, you know, the, the news since Wednesday night about the American tourists left in a serious condition. Uh, I see a text in from a listener who says residents of Talbot Street declaring it a no-go area. Mm. Store Street, Gardaí, do, do, um, what do they do about this? Nothing, says this listener. It's a disgrace. Not doing their job. Too afraid. Too afraid and work shy. If they don't want to do their job, leave. Um, an easy ride to early retirement, says this texter. Um, Richard Guiney is on the line as well, Stephen. Richard, you're the, the CEO of uh, Dublin Town. Like, What is the impact of all of this behaviour on businesses in the, lo- in the locality? Yeah, uh, well, look, it's it's obviously the, the 
the, the, the most recent developments, obviously not something that's particularly welcome. Um, in fairness, the city is actually, you know, we're performing better than we would have anticipated at the beginning of the year. So, you know, we are, uh, you know, economically we are performing. But look, the perceptions of safety um, are some, is definitely something that needs to be addressed. But I was at a, a meeting of, um, you know, uh, folks who do similar jobs to our own from around the world. And this, this post-pandemic, uh, certainly safety and perceptions of safety have disimproved internationally you know and i think there is certainly young people um have the the, the behavior is definitely disimproved and you know with certain groups of uh, young folks um, and i think that does need to be addressed um, but we've been here before um we have addressed uh you know somewhat successfully in, in the past and i think it is there, there's this, there's two elements to it there's obviously this strategic element I think how we uh, handle our um, social difficulties and and working with vulnerable people definitely needs to be improved. I think, you know, uh, we had a report more than 10 years ago, Better City for All, which identified the fact that, uh, you know, concentrating a lot of services within one uh, area is not good for the people who are very vulnerable um, and it's not good for wider society. And it's it's unfortunate, you know, during the pandemic, I think, there's a lot of um, you know hostels and hotels that were have been used for um, for social purposes, and uh, I think you know we we need to examine that. Obviously, there's a, there's a need to cater for vulnerable people, but the over concentration I don't think helps us in in terms of uh, working with people and and their needs. I think it facilitates uh, drug dealing and it, it facilitates uh, a certain element of of antisocial behaviour. I think, you know, we need, uh, again, operationally, um, we had a, a number of very successful uh, operations in the past, Operation Spire, Operation Pier, um, the small areas policing. I think, you know, some of those models, again, can be looked at in terms of... But what uh, ultimately does that mean, Richard, for people? Like, that's, that, that just means, like, it's the same as that Operation Citizen, isn't it? It's, it's just more people out and about... Well, they, they, you know, we. I, I would. I would say that you know, ten or twelve years ago, we were actually in a worse place than we are now. Um, and we do track perceptions of safety and how comfortable people feel in the city. And we did see for a number of years uh, sustained improvements in that. We're back. Unfortunately, we're you know we're back uh, in at, at lower levels of uh, perceptions of safety and comfort in the city, and that you know, certainly does need to be addressed. Um, you know, we're an international city and we can't afford uh, to have people feeling, uh, you know, with that sense of fear when they're on the street. So that does need to be addressed. But it is, it's, you know, the, the I think we need to, we need to be mature about this um, and how we, how we handle our, our, our social difficulties is not working. Um, and okay. there are numerous reports on that. Um and I think that does need to be addressed. And I think that is part of the issue. Um, certainly, you know, I know the, there's a recruitment drive for the guards and it's not going as well as we would like. But, you know, a visible presence on the street is certainly does okay. help. But it's not a solution in itself. It, it does need that coordinated strategic approach too. Uh, text in from Will who says, I'm 47 from Clondalkin. When I was younger, we drank in Faber McGee's and Parnell Street. We walked to West Merlin Street after midnight to get the night link. We never had any trouble. I live in Spain now. When I go back, I have to get taxis everywhere. Alan says, we've a health minister more concerned um, or a justice minister more concerned about prosecuting people for saying hurting words rather than tackling real crime. Gordon. 
according to Alan. Ronan Slevin is on the line as well. Ronan's the um, the GRAs, the Garda Representative Association's interim general secretary. Like Ronan, when you listen to Stephen and Richard and, and some of the views of texters there, is it purely down to the lack of Garda and numbers on the streets? Uh, some of it is down to wider societal issues uh, that unfortunately most city, larger cities suffer from. But the only way to really address any of those issues is guards on the street. And unfortunately, that comes down to the lack of resources that we're currently experiencing within the job. So is the flip of that that we had a con- constant guard, the presence, um, the likes of the O'Connell Street guard, the station open beyond 2 a.m.? in the morning like if that was open 24 hours a day and we guards in every street so are we saying we wouldn't have these issues like is that is it the lack of resources that's the the issue well the way to combat any um, anti-social behaviour is with the presence of guardy on the street and to, to the need for more resources is obvious as we've been long since saying that the downward trend of guard numbers is continuing for the last number of years we're now below 14,000 guards and it doesn't appear that it's going to go any other way but continue downwards for the near future. So more Gardaí on the streets, in your view, that's what will help to prevent situations and, and, and experiences like we've been hearing Stephen talking about there and Richard as well from their members? Indeed, yeah, it will help prevent it, but it will also um, enable tourists and locals to feel far safer on the streets when they see Gardaí uh, in, in numbers uh, at all street corners. On, on patrol. And are you confident that that's going to change? Like, I know we've been hearing about the recruitment drive and additional numbers and, you know, there's never going to be as many members of the force as there will be when recruitment is completed. And like, But is that a reality? Uh, it's not going to change in the near future, Andrea. And unfortunately, the recent announcement that Ross is going to change as well doesn't help it's going to reduce the amount of guards that are working at any one time with occasional peaks. But the majority of the time, there's going to be 20% less guards on the street. And unfortunately, that is something that um, needs to be addressed. I think it has to be reversed. Um, the, the only way here to address these issues, these antisocial um, issues, is to have more guarding in the street and more visible uh, deterrence. Do you think the deterrents aren't strong enough? Well, they're not. Well, that's a, that'll be something that has to be addressed by uh, government in itself and on penalties for people who commit offences. But in terms of the preventing of it first and the detecting of crime, and uh, that ha- that comes down to just bare uh, boots in the street. And to combat that, you just need more guards in the street. That's the basics of it. Is it frustrating for you, Ronan, and for your members? You know, like in in listening to a conversation uh, like this today, and we're talking we're talking about it because of two incidents that happened in, in Dublin and in Galway this week. And, and like, it's not that I want to say everybody's blaming the guards, but like a lot of the texters, they get in contact and they feel that there isn't enough of a guard, the presence, and you're there and your members and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you can. But is that frustrating then when you, when you can't get the resources you need? It is indeed. And like we have been flagging this uh, for years. We had it as a team in our conference that we were at breaking point and it's becoming more and more obvious that that is actually the case. Um, like Members are tied down with bureaucracy and administration work that takes a lot of their time away from the street. On top of that, then, you have the uh, members are retiring when they can. Uh, there's people resigning in their droves. 
and uh, we just can't get people into the job. There's a, a myriad of issues that have to be addressed, be it by government and by Garda management, and they have to be addressed in, in an urgent manner, and that isn't happening at the moment, and it needs to be. Stephen, like in, as Roland says, it's 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 as simple as more boots on the street. Like if you had more guards out and around where you are down at Aston Quay and in and around Temple Bar today, does that change things for you and your and your colleagues going to work? Yeah, it absolutely does. And certainly from the conversations that I've had with the guards over the last few months, you know, when something happens, there is an increased presence. And immediately we see how that um, how that reduces um, drug related crime. Um, I don't think that it is just a resource issue. I absolutely think that we need more guards. A more visible guard presence is definitely going to help and has proven to be effective. Uh, but I don't see a plan. I don't see a strategic approach to this. I just see the guards reacting when businesses like my, my, like my own call them and alert them to an issue. Um, and really what we're looking for is a, a multi-agency, a multi-stakeholder approach. We need to understand this issue and then identify a specific set of measures to address it. And that group should consist of the guards, Dublin City Council, hospitality, retail, tourism, residents, business owners, drug treatment services, because trying to address this issue, which is so complex and so extreme, which is drug-related crime in the centre of the capital city, uh, we need a specific targeted approach uh, to deal with that. And I don't see it uh, being addressed in any meaningful way if we're competing with the other range of issues that the guards typically have to deal with every single day. Um, Like they're being pulled in a million different directions. They have huge catchment areas that they need to police. Uh, We're asking people today, what do you think needs to be done? About, and it's not even really antisocial behaviour. Like when you're, you're listening to, you know, the, the, the incident in Tambles, at Albert Street and a tourist, American tourist, in a, left in a serious condition. Another serious incident, a guy in his 30s assaulted in Galway City yesterday as well. Like we're talking about serious and, and brutal assault. It's beyond antisocial behaviour. Um, to give you a flavour of what some of the texters are saying, this listener says the guards themselves have never had as much um, additional administration. Every couple of months, it seems there's some new review, new procedural things to add to the guard to the guard on the streets workload. Not to mention the utter, the utter lack of support from um, upper management and certain media. This texter: the state should pay to send these young people to summer camps to keep them busy and off the streets. What about an operation water cannon or operation tear gas to disperse the feral gangs? And on the subject of whether or not you feel safe on our streets across the country. I want to hear your experience. 1800 453 106. This listener says, I was in town last night. I had a gang of young thugs rubbing my head on the bus twice. I got off the bus on O'Connell Street in Dublin, saw a man standing in West Merlin Street having a fight with a lamppost that he eventually headbutted. Ended up flat on the street. I then saw a young guy picking a fight with a car because he crossed when the light was red. Town doesn't feel safe at all, according to this texter. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're asking, do you feel safe on our streets? What needs to be done about antisocial behaviour? It's after two assaults, one in Dublin, another in Galway uh, since Wednesday of, of this week. What's your experience? What needs to be done? 1800 453 106 is the number. Jerry is with us on the line. Jerry, what's your experience of this? Hi, Andrea. Um, I would say in short, 
I live in the right side of the city and I don't go near those places. I think that that accounts for half the population of the city. Um, I would agree with everything your previous speakers have been saying that, you know, there needs to be a combination of a hard response and a soft response. But the Department of Justice are culpable. The head of the Guard of Force is culpable. And these are the guys you should be having on your show today. But then on the, on the soft approach, I'd say you'd have to point out that these kids don't come out of nowhere. They come out of appalling social backgrounds. And all of them. I, remember, I remember Fintan O'Toole wrote an article this in the Irish Times a year or so ago. And I think he might have also suggested that what these children need is education, education, education. They're not getting education from the parents. They're not attending school. I mean, I wonder is it conceivable or even legal to have a bus system situation where these kids will be picked up, say, 8 o'clock in the morning, given their breakfast, given their lunch, given their tea, and in between they're educated and they're giving play and sporting opportunities and they're trained and they're taking away from the drug-infested background that they come out of, you know? It sort of sounds a, a little bit like a a low-level prison, Jerry? is it? No, not at all. Not the least. It would be, I would, I would conversely, I'd say it's a high-level opportunity to get education and get out of their background. I would imagine mo- most parents would be very happy to see their children taken to school and fed because lots of them are going in hungry. You know, these kids are not open to education. You know, in some cases, these children, their parents are drug addicts. They're in a coma, a coma most of the day. How else are they going to develop? I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer. James is on the line. James, what's your view on this? What do you think needs to be done about antisocial behaviour? Or do you feel safe in our streets? Hi, Andrea. Good afternoon. Um, I would I would echo a lot of you, uh, your previous callers have said. Um, I think the one of the people said that basically the guards are, are more reactive than proactive. Um, I actually seen two guards on the beat today, I think for the first time this year. And I have a feeling that's in reaction to what happened to that poor American tourist here tonight. Um, do I feel safe in Dublin? No. Um, I just had an incident about an hour ago. I was sitting outside a hotel in Dublin too, waiting on a fair, any fair to come out. And there was an electronic bike tied to a pole. And two scumbags decided to try and basically break it off the pole and steal it. I actually intervened. I rang the local Garda station to be informed. Oh, I'm sorry, there's nobody available. Now, I basically ran them off. The bike is hanging on by a thread. I, I feel if I leave the scene, they'll come back around, they'll take it, and it's probably around a four or 5,000 euro electric bike belongs to somebody who more than likely is in work. So, you know, there's so many issues, but mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, are coming up with issues like softly, softly approaching this, that, and the other. Number one, we need more guardy on the streets. But there's also another issue as well, and the media as well have, have an issue in this. Anytime the media interview, and especially the Minister for Justice, she gets a softly, softly approach all the time. This is her responsibility. This is the Garda Commissioner's responsibility. These are the ones who are responsible for law and order in the state. I'm not. You're not. Mm. They're responsible. And people in the media, and I will say this, and my criticism of all the media is this. If you bring her on this show and you hear her with them hard questions, you know and I know she'll never come back on your show again. But that's what needs to be done. Yesterday, she was um, spoken to in the hall by Patrick Tobin, and he said to her that morale on the, on the floor of the Gardaí is on the floor. Mm. And she says, no, it's not. It's wonderful. 
I, during the presidential visit of Joe Biden, when the city was full of guards, I had four guards who were up from the Kilkenny division. I dropped them out with the pick up the car where it was parked. And I asked them straight out. I said, what's your current opinion of the current commissioner and the current minister? And the exact words were, they're despised by the vast, vast majority of the guards. Right. Force. That's what four guards said to me. Not making that up. That's what four guards said right. to me. And okay. one of the guards... One of the guards who was a sergeant, he had 32 years in. He said, as soon as I hit retirement, I'm out okay, the door. Okay. He says, both my uh, sons have expressed an interest. I've told them yeah, not. I've told okay. them to go elsewhere. I know, look, and, I, I know I, and in fairness, they're, they're, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know what the solution is. I, I, I certainly don't have the answers. But, I mean, a lot of people getting in touch today and stories and their experience of incidents and, and different things that happen. Um, I do want to try and get to them in a moment. Emmanuel is on the line, too. Um What's your experience, Emmanuel? Are you there, Emmanuel? Can you hear me all right? Hello. Yeah, hold on. Hello. Hi, Emmanuel. How are you? Yeah, yeah. My my point is that we've had a lot of, uh, I don't say guard bashing, but generally uh, people have very negative, uh, a very negative attitude towards the guards. And then you have to question who are the guards? The guards are men and women who are married with children. And they're doing their best to patrol and, and do their work. And they're confronted with people who have dangerous needles, which could have all types of situations arising. And we're expected guards, unarmed guards, to tackle these people who are violent criminals. And the problematic is, is that the guards, when they arrest people, they're brought before the district court. The judge asks the guard, have we any room in the prisons for them? And the, and the guard says, we don't at the moment. So they're let out. Are there, uh, they have numerous previous convictions. I understand that in California at one stage, uh, three strikes and you're out. If you commit three crimes, you won't be getting out again. You'll be remaining in prison. So unless we have space, the guards can't do their job because when they bring before the courts, they're let out the next day because they've nowhere to put them. So this whole uh, problematic uh, the guards have is a spiral, a continuing spiral then circle they're going around and arresting people brought before the courts no room for to put them away and then they're let back out on the streets and you're asking a guard to have any enthusiasm about his job and every time you arrest a criminal he sees him two days later walking down the street now would anyone like to put a question to the government about why there are no spaces for people who commit crimes and why they're still back on the streets in a matter of days Derek is on the line too. Derek, what's um, what's your experience? Do you feel safe on the streets? No, I don't feel safe on the streets. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm around the city centre quite regular, quite regular, most days of the week, and I see everything that's going on. And um, no, I don't feel safe. So the, the town, the city centre, has gone to the dogs. Gone to the dogs. There is, and I'm, I'm a youth and community worker nearly twenty years now. And I've worked in different areas. I worked in Finglas, I worked in Ballybock, I worked in the north inner city. And we should have a good relationship with the community guards. But I can stand over. In those areas I worked in, you have more chance of seeing Lord Lucan on chairgar than you have community guards attending the community or the youth and community centres. They just don't come in. And to me, they're allowed to get away with it. They're not bothered in coming down. No, I'm not going down. And why? Because they're higher-ranking officers are letting them away with it. Surely to Jesus, they have to know what did you do this week? Where, where's your where's your timesheets? What what do you know your job? Did? What did you do? And there's nothing. There's not. They're not coming into the centres like to, to 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 engage with it with the with the kids. 
they don't even come in. Sometimes you don't even see them in the area, as I said to you. You know, you do not see them coming in to, to the centres. And I'm doing this a long, long time. And I remember one time I was in a certain area and I, I made a comment to someone and we were at a, a Gather Drugs Task Force meeting and I said, Derek, don't bring that up, that you don't see the guy. I did bring it up. I did bring it up. And I'll stand over it. Community guards do not engage in the, in the areas I've been in anyway. Okay. I'm talking to fellow youth workers, the same thing. Do you see the community guards? No, you don't. Problem. Is it all the guards' fault, though, Derek? It's like, not the guards' fault. But your, your previous caller was on there and he was saying, you know, these are men and women. The guards, who are the guards? The guards are men and women. You know, are they expected to tackle criminals who are armed or whatever else? Well, in my opinion, they are, because they're the guards. I mean, if I come into work, I'm a youth and community worker. My boss expects me to do youth and community work. If I was a painter, my boss would expect me to come in and paint. Do you know what I mean? So are they expected to tackle these issues on the streets? I know they're unarmed. Mm. But at the same time, that's their job. They signed up for it. Yeah, they should be tackling it. There's not enough guards on the street. They're allowed to get away with it. And it's from the top. And it's right to come down into the, 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 the higher ranking guards within all the stations around the city and further afield. The guards are sitting there. Okay. Why aren't they out on the streets? And this thing about, oh, we're under, they're using this for so long now. Oh, you know, we're under sad. We haven't got the, t- you know, the, we haven't got the, the, you know, the, the, the numbers and morale is low. That's just, that's just a couple. That's going on for years now. It's going on for years. Una, you're on the line. Do, do you agree with this or what's your, what's your opinion? Is Una there? No, we've lost Una, have we? Uh, a text in from a listener says, um, the guards are massively understaffed. It's, it's, it's that simple. As population has grown rapidly, the guard, the numbers have fallen sharply. My father was a guard in Limerick for 30 years. His unit of 30 now contains seven. Nylon Leitrim says, people creating anti-social problems should be made do national service in the army. Might put manners in them. Another listener, they've no problem having 30 to 40 uh, guards and riot squads around uh, Ballybrack. And when there's evictions and other things happening, the state has been run by political governance, according to this listener. Uh, what, pa- what part does three months school summer holidays play in the problem? Asks one texter. Does any other European country have this long, lengthy holidays? This texter says, I was attacked on the train one morning going to Dublin from Limerick Junction wasn't hurt thankfully did make a complaint to Irish Rail got the CCTV CCTV footage to be told that the CCTV system wasn't working a total joke says this texter another listener um, has got in contact to say I think it's completely unfair um, to blame the guards and I wish people would stop doing it the anti-social behaviour all started uh, back in the 80s when we got rid of slapping according to one listener Come on, uh, these problems aren't just in Dublin, uh, says this Galway texture. We've the very same issues right across the country, not just happening in Galway no, or in Dublin. No, we know that. And we talked about the incident in, uh, in Galway City as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.